Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blessed and Beautiful Homestead podcast. I am so excited that you guys are here. Today is the very first episode of my podcast, and I've been wanting to do this podcast for a really long time, so I'm super excited. I thought, what a better episode to start with than to tell you guys a little bit about our family, about me, about our homestead, how we got going here, and just give you an introduction and background to who we are. So let's get started. My name is Tina, and I am the creator of the blog and YouTube channel, Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. Welcome to my podcast. I love to share from scratch recipes, homeschool life inspiration, our homesteading journey, and just all things life with you. This is a space where we are going to get down and dirty, raw and unfiltered about motherhood, marriage, our culture, and our spiritual pursuit as believers. Thank you for joining me today. I am so glad you're here. And my hope is that I can be a blessing to you. So I have no script for today's show. This is literally just me sitting here chatting with you guys um, about us and who we are. So to start it off, um, a little bit of a background. So we are a small family of four. Um, I am married to my husband, Joe, and I've been married to him since we were in high school. And we have two beautiful children. We have a 19-year-old daughter at the time of this recording. She's 19. Her name is Lexi. And then we have an eight-year-old son, and his name is Parker. So Lexi is um, currently attending full-time college classes online, of course, because we are in the middle of this lovely uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And then Parker is homeschooled. I've been homeschooling Parker since first grade. So he did kindergarten in public school, and then some things started to shift in the culture that I was very unsettled about, and I decided with Joe that um we were going to go ahead and just pull him out so he's been homeschooled ever since first grade we are nearing the end of third grade um so three years homeschooled and we're loving every minute of it so uh the way that joe and i met let's see so you might be wondering like how in the world and why in the world did you get married in high school so I actually come from a uh, dysfunctional background as far as how I was raised, and um, that is lit- that is like a whole nother episode, let me tell you. So um, I'll save all of those details, but um, I grew up with my mom. Uh, she was a single mom, and I spent several of my uh, teenage years in and out of foster care. And then the state found my biological father that was missing in action my entire life when I was 15 years old and they decided to uh, place me with him. So when I moved to Arizona to live with my dad at 15 years old, that is when I met Joe. And I'll tell you guys what what uh, drew me to Joe is actually very simple and maybe kind of silly, some might think, but I really liked that he did not sag his pants. Holla, okay? I did not like the boys at school that sagged their pants. I thought it was tacky. That's just me. But I was out in the middle of the street playing with my friend one day uh, by my house, and I saw this cute boy ride up on his bicycle, and I thought, oh my, he's kind of cute. And that is where it all started. So we started, quote unquote, going out when I was 15 years old, and it just kind of evolved from there. So when I was 17, um, you know, I was living with my father, and he was an alcoholic, and there was just really bad 
home environment. And so I decided, you know, well, I didn't decide. Joe asked me if I wanted to marry him. So the only problem was, of course, we were, uh, I was still a minor. So um, I started looking into the legal options of actually divorcing my parents. And the legal term is emancipation. Um, and basically what happened was my dad got up and went to work one morning and instead of going to school, I decided to pack all of my belongings and Joe drove me across the California-Arizona border and California is where I stayed while I filed my emancipation paperwork with the courthouse in California. Um, so after two months, I was legally emancipated from my parents. Now, I don't really know if the um, process and system is different today than it was back then, but it you know, wasn't like you can just go in and divorce your parents just because you know maybe you were a rebellious kid that didn't like your parents' rules. I had to show proof of um, having a job to support myself. I had to show proof that I had a sound place to live. I had to show that I was in school and I was getting good grades. And I also had to, of course, prove why I felt that my parents weren't doing a good job raising me. So I obviously met all those boxes. Um, and of course, I also had to have the approval and signatures of both of my parents uh, to allow me to be emancipated. So Long story short, the um, all of those boxes were checked and I divorced my parents at 17 years old and immediately drove back to Arizona to pursue marrying Joe, which was our plan. Um, Joe comes from a very... Uh, quote unquote, normal family, something that I had never experienced. And I remember when I was dating him, he, he lived right down the road from me. And so on the good days when my dad was not drunk, um, uh, and being hateful and mean, he would allow me to go do things with Joe and his family and go have dinner at their house and things. So I just remember, liking the feeling that I felt when I would go into Joe's home, the peace, the calmness. His parents were Christians. His mom adored me. Um, they ate and had dinner together every night. And it was just this family routine, this family unit and closeness that I never really experienced growing up as a child. And I was drawn to that. I fell head over heels for Joe and uh, that um, lifestyle. And he was my rock for those couple of years that we dated before we got married. Um, a lot of the issues that I had while living with my father and his ex-wife, who was a druggie, Joe was my rock. And he was like the only thing in my life that made sense. So uh, I could, you know, naturally I wanted to run off and marry him. <laughs> so after emancipation, I came back to Arizona and Joe and I got married. His grandfather married us in a little church there in Arizona. And here we are. We've been married ever since. So as of this recording, we are heading into our 22nd year of marriage. So very exciting. Uh, let's see. After high school, we joined the military. We are a military family. We always have been. And, you know, growing up in that small town of Arizona, while we were um, in our first year of marriage, Joe had already graduated high school and he was working full time at an auto parts store. And I was still in school in my senior year and I was working part time as a bank teller at Wells Fargo. And really seeing anything beyond that small town in Arizona was pretty grim. I didn't really, you know, my my vision did not go beyond that. And I didn't know that there was much else out there in the world for us. And one day at career day, um, 
at school, an Army recruiter got a hold of me and started talking to me about the benefits of the military, medical, dental, vision, retirement, a steady paycheck, all of those things that come with the military. And then he also shared with me how much money Joe and I possibly could make if we were dual military, if we both decided to go in together as husband and wife. And um, it was just very appealing to me. I start My eyes started to open and then he started talking about traveling and seeing different places. And I thought, you know, this is like a really good opportunity. So the next day, Joe and I were driving into school and um, he would drop me off at school and then he would go to work. And I told him, I said, hey, I think that we should join the army. And he kind of giggled and he's like, I'm not joining the army. He's like, you can join the army. And I'm like, no, I want to join together. And I started explaining to him um, the benefits that the recruiter had talked with me about and it didn't take long to convince Joe to join the army with me and looking back you guys it we were so cute we were young we were excited we were starting this adventure of life together and we decided to join the army together and we started working out and getting ready for boot camp we were going on runs doing push-ups doing sit-ups and we were just super excited to start this journey so we decided to go ahead and do this and Joe went in first and I followed later because I was still finishing my last year of high school. I did the DEPLOS program, which is the delayed entry program. And our first station in the Army was in Fort Lewis, Washington, and that is where we had our daughter Lexi. I had a bit of a, um, how would you say, more of like an in-the-field type job at MOS. I was an ammunition specialist and um, it just required me to, you know, supply ammo to the people that were at the range in the field. I did inventory of ammunition, all that. And when September 11th happened, my unit was one of the first ones that got deployed to Afghanistan. Well, I was pregnant with Lexi when that happened. And you guys, I was mortified at the thought of being deployed away from my baby girl, um, you know, because the military, the way they looked at it, uh, you got your six weeks at the time. It was six weeks convalescent leave. And as soon as you could pass a physical fitness test, you were being shipped out. And for goodness sake, I was still breastfeeding. So I was willing to do anything, go anywhere that the Army needed me to do until I had a baby. Once I had that baby, my priorities shifted and I started thinking, you know, maybe this isn't for me because my heart was at home with her. So... um at that time, the Army allowed you to uh, do an honorable discharge um, for, you know, mothers that had babies. You could separate from the Army with an honorable discharge if you wanted to. Uh, and I took that opportunity and I was discharged after two years of being in the Army. And I decided to stay home with Lux after that. So Joe stayed in. He did about six years in the Army. And then after that, he did two years National Guard. Once we, you know, joined the Army, they took us up to, um, after Fort Lewis, Washington, we went to uh, Fairbanks, Alaska. So that was our first encounter with Alaska. And um, it was absolutely beautiful, totally different world up there. It really is the last frontier. Now, I will say Fairbanks was your typical idea of what you think of when you think of Alaska. Um, the northern lights, minus 50 degree weather, darkness most of the year. That was what it was like in Fairbanks, Alaska, where we were stationed at Fort Wainwright. So 
it was still an adventure and it was still a lot of fun. Um, moose in our backyard, hiking. I mean, it's just beautiful up there. So that was really neat. So um, after we got out of the army, we decided to try and go out on the economy and do the civilian life thing. And we quickly saw that that was very challenging, especially because when we got out of the army, 2006, 2007, when the big real estate market crashed, there wasn't a lot of jobs and it was a really challenging time for us. And you guys, when I tell you challenging, like we were poor as poor can be. I vividly remember one time Joe and I were making tacos and we didn't have tomatoes and we didn't even have the money to go to the store and buy tomatoes. Like we were absolutely poor. Um, and just kind of at a loss for what to do for a job, had a couple ins and out jobs that were just awful. Um, and, uh, we just quickly realized, wow, you know, we miss being in the military. We miss that stability of the paycheck, knowing we had health insurance. And a friend of mine at the time mentioned to me about the Coast Guard. And I was like, the Coast Guard, what's the Coast Guard, <laughs> right? Like I, was it the National Guard? Was this the reserves? I had never heard of the Coast Guard. Well, come to find out, uh, the Coast Guard is an entire other branch of military. It's a lot smaller. It is Department of Homeland Security. It is not Department of Defense. And um, I started looking into the Coast Guard and realized that they do not deploy, um, well, at least that at that time, they did not deploy their sailors overseas. So you could volunteer, you can volunteer to take an overseas billet, but they did not deploy you overseas like the army did. So I thought, you know, maybe this is something to look into. We can still serve, we can still defend the home front, um, but still be parents and be home with our children. And that was really, really appealing to me. So Joe and I, once again, decided to go on another adventure and join the Coast Guard together. This time I decided to go first. So I went off to a Coast Guard boot camp and um, it was a modified boot camp, of course, because we were both prior service. So it was like a one month boot camp versus two months. And uh, Joe followed me after and he also joined. And my first station with the Coast Guard was in California. I went to a small boat station where we did search and rescue and law enforcement on the water. And that was uh, pretty fun and interesting. And then once I became rated, um, basically got my specialty in the Coast Guard. I became a storekeeper, which is essentially inventory keeper, shipping and receiving at the warehouse. I did procurement and purchasing. There was a lot that fell under that umbrella uh, with the position of storekeeper. But once I became rated and got advanced, um, or as civilian world likes to call it, promoted, I got orders again to Alaska. So this time we went to Ketchikan, Alaska, which is a small island in southeastern Alaska. And that is where we had our son, Parker. Um, we bought our first home in Alaska there on the island. And man, you guys, we are outdoor kind of people. I mean, hunting, fishing, hiking, gardening, raising our chickens. I mean, if you know anything about our homestead, you kind of know our hearts in that area. So Alaska just speaks to us and we had a lot of fun up there. So we did four years in Ketchikan, Alaska. Uh, Joe got stationed up there on a cutter, one of the boats and did a lot of underway time. He, they did work on the buoys and the aids to navigation up there. And I got a land billet working at the base. So that was pretty cool. Uh, after we left, after we left Alaska, um, we got orders to the state of Virginia, which is where we're currently at now. 
we have been in Alaska, or we've been in Virginia, excuse me, for almost eight years now. This is the longest we've ever been in one place uh, since we joined the military. And that's been really great for the kids and awesome because, you know, we really got to know the area really well. And Joe right now is just under two years from being able to retire from the Coast Guard. And I have to tell you guys, I am so proud of him just to see this man's sacrifice and his commitment and dedication to serving um, all those mornings of waking up to that alarm clock, all of those underway trips, um, being deployed in Iraq with the army, just everything that he's put into this career. Um, I get goosebumps when I think of that day that he gets to retire and grow his beard out. <laughs> That's one thing that we're both really excited about, you know, uh, with getting out of the military, there is a lot of freedoms. Um, you're not really held to those standards anymore as far as like dress code and all that. So, but he deserves it. And I'm so excited about that. So how did we get on this journey of homesteading? So I think that, um, for me, I think that it stems from my, my childhood, uh, growing up with my mom and my brothers, uh, my mom was very old school. She has a very old fashioned heart and she was all about raising chickens. She always had her own garden. Um, I would get up at two o'clock in the morning sometimes as a young girl to use the restroom and she would be in the kitchen canning. Um, she made her own jerky. My brother was allergic to cow's milk. So what did she do? She bought a goat and we decided to milk the goat. <laughs> so uh, that was just so much fun. I remember that, you know, her, the goat's name was Penny and we built her a little milk stand and me and my brothers went out every day and milked her. And that was a lot of fun. So it really just kind of instilled that um, love for homegrown, handmade, um, you know, self-sufficient type life. And I think that that has just always been inside of me. So I, I remember my mom, it did not matter if she was in the country or if she was in the city. She had a small farm no matter where we lived. And I remember I was probably in uh, maybe middle school, early middle school, and we lived in the city. It was a, a city in California in, in a subdivision. And the chief of police lived like two doors down from our house. And I remember him coming over one day, knocking on the door and telling my mom, um, Monty, her name is Monty, um, we're cool with you having the chickens. Like, I don't even think we were supposed to have chickens there, but they let my mom have chickens. We're cool with the chickens. That's no problem, but you've got to do something about that rooster. The rooster, of course, would crow all morning long before the sun came up and it drove him crazy. So what was my mom's answer? Well, it wasn't getting rid of the rooster. She would have me set my alarm every morning I don't remember what time. I just know it was still dark outside. She would have me go out to the coop, get the rooster, bring him in the house and put him in the bathroom, in the shower and shut the shower door. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if because there was no windows in the bathroom and he couldn't see daylight coming. I don't know. But he wouldn't crow as long as he was in the bathroom. And I don't remember how long this went on for, but that's what she had me do. She wasn't getting rid of her rooster. So I went out every morning. I bought that little rooster into the bathroom so that he wouldn't crow and we wouldn't get in trouble by the chief of police. So um, those are, you know, just funny, funny memories that I think of uh, with my mom growing up as children. 
But there was just something about that way of life, you know, weeding in the garden with my mom, going out to the coop to collect chicken eggs with my brothers. I mean, it was just, um, it was something that spoke to me. So I think that that is where this fire ignited inside of me. And, um, you know, when we lived in Alaska, when we were stationed there, we did get our first chicken coop, Joe and I, and we got some chickens. And it kind of uh, opened opened that up for us, opened up that excitement and that, hmm, there's something here. You know, and of course, I knew a little bit about it because I kind of was raised that way. And um, when we came to Virginia, I started following some other homesteaders on social media and just reading blogs and things like that. And it really kind of dumped me into this world of homesteading. And it seemed to me, uh, and it still seems to me that a lot of homesteaders are um, very family focused, Christian oriented. A lot of them are homeschoolers. You know, everything centers and focuses around the family and home. And that meant something to me and it spoke to me. And I started desiring and longing for a bigger space as far as a yard. I started desiring not being in a subdivision, not having an HOA where I couldn't have a bonfire in my backyard if I wanted to, where or I couldn't have, you know, five chickens for fresh eggs. You know, that kind of started to get to me. Um, and along with that, my heart started longing to be home with my children. You know, I did the two years in the army and I did eight years in the Coast Guard. So I did 10 years of service altogether. And it was around 2015. Um, and I just started thinking, you know, I am sick and tired of dropping my babies off at daycare. You guys, it never failed. I would walk Parker into daycare. At this point, Lexi was already in school. And as I walked back out to my car to go to work, I would have a frog in my throat. I would have tears in my eyes. Um, I didn't want to leave him there, even though we had an amazing daycare. Um, I wanted to be with my baby. I felt like someone else was getting the best of my children all day and I was missing out. Um, and where I used to be very career driven, it became more about wanting to cherish those moments with my children while I had them. And not that there's anything wrong with being a career-driven mom. I That was me my whole adult life, basically, up until, you know, five, six years ago. Um, so I made the decision to go ahead and separate from the Coast Guard and come home to my kids. So in 2015, I separated um, and I decided to get my license to sell real estate. Uh, at the time, it was kind of a side gig, something that I was interested in, mainly so that I could represent ourselves in our own transactions. Um, and it's kind of, you know, snowballed into a little bit more of a business that I had really anticipated. But what I like about real estate is that it's flexible. So I am essentially a stay-at-home mom. I work from my home office and I'm able to work my clients and around my homeschooling with Parker, my homestead, and my family um, and still supplement our income. So it's fantastic. Uh, so we decided, I think it was 2016, we bought an 18 acre piece of property and, um, we essentially built a farm from nothing. You guys like this 18 acres, like none of it was cleared. Uh, Joe and I went out there with the kids every weekend with a riding mower, a shovel, and I think a chainsaw 
and a machete and we cleared like three to four acres by hand for the builder to build our house on. Um, so we do not live on the farm anymore. We sold that last year and we've actually downsized to a smaller property. And maybe I'll share um, that story on a different episode. That's actually a really inspiring story, how that all panned out. Um, but that farm, we built it from the ground up. We, we had the house built, the little farmhouse, all of our pasture fencing, our chicken coop, our cow shelters. You know, we quickly started accumulating every animal you can think of, cows, pigs, chickens, ducks, um, sheep. We even had horses. I mean, we just had a lot going on. Um, and it became apparent to me that I think we took on too much too fast. And maybe if Joe wasn't working full time, it would be different. But he was working full time still with the Coast Guard Monday through Friday. So essentially that left me um, doing my real estate business, homeschooling Parker, running the farm, um, which was challenging. So because of all of the things that we had done to the property, we had added so much value to that land uh, it became very apparent to us that we could make a significant amount of money if we sold that farm. So the money was a driving force in selling that farm and also to downsize and kind of chillax a little bit and, uh, you know, do things on a lower scale, at least until Joe retires so that I'm not so overwhelmed. Um, so we sold the farm. We sold the farm in 2000. Uh, what was it? 2019. And we've been in this new home now for a little over a year. So we went from an 18 acre farm to a one acre homestead, you guys. So what's interesting is all of that 18 acres, we didn't even use it. I don't even think maybe a handful of times we went out into the forest, into the rest of that land that we had. We really, everything was done on that three to four acres that we cleared. And so Joe and I started thinking, do we really need all this land right now? You know, we're paying property taxes on it. like. So anyway, it just made sense to downsize. Um, so we've got this one acre homestead. Uh, we, if you follow my YouTube channel, my blog, my Instagram, anything like that, you can kind of see the projects and the things that we've done, but we've built another greenhouse here. We just built a really beautiful hoop house for more gardening space. We have our chickens. Uh, we've got sheep that we are raising for milk and also for meat. We still do our meat birds once a year. We do a big batch of meat birds so that we've got fresh uh, chicken in the freezer. Um, and we actually recently just purchased half a cow from a local farmer um, because our property is not big enough to have cows anymore. But I feel like once you start growing your own meat, it's really hard to go back to eating the grocery store meat. So we outsource a lot of that stuff and we get it from local farmers. We go to strawberry patches and pick our strawberries and I make my jam and you know, we just, it's all about getting on Google, getting on the phone, getting on social media and finding other farmers that have these things to offer. We started our homestead, um, I got into the realm of YouTube and my YouTube channel is Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. And I've had that YouTube channel now for about three years. And it originally started as just a place to kind of document our journey through this life and something for our children to have and to look back on for years to come, even when we're long gone. And it's it's been really fun. And surprisingly, I've grown my channel a lot bigger than I ever meant to. I was just doing it as a hobby. And um, I'm 
really surprised at how many people want to be a part of our little family and our life because it's nothing crazy and spectacular. Um, however, I guess at times it can be interesting. In documenting our homesteading journey, um, that kind of evolved into documenting our homeschooling journey, just kind of like all things mom life. Um, and it's really just snowballed from there. And also for me as a person, and I, I guess you guys will probably, if you don't know me already from my YouTube channel, um, I am a very, how do I say it? I'm a very opinionated, strong-willed person. And, um, you know, the way that this culture is going right now, I think that it requires us moms and wives, I mean, just all of us in general, um, to start standing up for what is right and for what is wrong. Um, because there is no gray line. It is very black and white. And the way that I look at it and my philosophy is if it aligns with God's word, then it is right. If it does not align with his word, then it is wrong. Period. End of sentence. Uh, so I put a YouTube video up on my channel in January about the Capitol riots. Um, Joe and I did attend that rally for President Trump. We did not participate in the portion of that peaceful rally that turned into a riot. Um, we did not enter the Capitol. We did not even go on the lawn that day. Um, in fact, when things started getting crazy and we smelled pepper spray, we were like, you know, it's probably time for us to get out of here. But I did go on YouTube and share that experience with you guys. And to my surprise, YouTube deleted my video. And I got an email from them saying that I had violated community standards. And if I did it again, my channel would be suspended for a week. And if I did it again after that, like it was just threats of what would happen basically, um, inevitably leading up to my channel being deleted if I didn't stop. And what I found interesting was I did not do what they accused me of doing. They said I violated their community standards by giving false information about the election and all this other crap, which was not true. Um, so I was really frustrated about that, you guys. Like they just took it upon themselves to delete that video, um, which obviously I feel very strongly like I was silenced, I was censored. Um, so I thought, you know what? This platform, the YouTube platform, is a great space for me to share our journey with you guys as far as homesteading, homeschooling, and things like that. Um, but as far as really speaking on cultural issues, that is definitely not the platform to do it unless you want to be censored because they're only going to allow you to say what fits their narrative. So I told Joe immediately, I was like, you know what, I'm going to start a podcast. Um, because as of right now, this is a safe place where I can speak freely about every issue that I want to, and no one's going to silence me. Um, the first amendment Freedom of speech is uh, almost non-existent, which is kind of crazy uh, in our country, but that is the reality that we're in. So that is another reason why I decided to start this podcast, because not only do I want to encourage my listeners, um, those of you that are homesteaders, those of you that are homeschooling parents, um, but I also want to encourage you when it comes to being a Christian and a believer in this culture that we're in, because we cannot be silent on the issues that are facing our society right now. 
So hold on to your seats, you guys, because like the intro says, when I talk about getting down and dirty, raw and unfiltered on this podcast, that is what's going to happen here. If you're a mama, if you're a wife, um, and you've ever encountered anything, we're going to talk about it on this podcast and we're going to dissect it and we're going to get through it together. So that is where we're at now. We're living our best life. Joe is almost retired from the Coast Guard. Um, I am home homeschooling. We're homesteading. And um, we will probably not stay in Virginia once he retires. We are going to try to move to a more, shall I say, Republican state. Um, and we're, we have a lot of criteria that we're looking at there as far as a state that is statistically, historically more of a Republican state, a state that is very pro-Second Amendment, a state that's very pro-life, a state that has fantastic homeschool laws, um, and also a state that you know won't tax his military retirement income because some states do. So those are all things that we're looking at when we're trying to decide where we're going to go in a couple years once he retires. Um, but for now, this is where we are. And I just wanted to share this journey with you guys on the podcast, as well as my YouTube channel and my blog and all those other avenues. All right, you guys. So that is a little bit about me and our family, who we are and where we come from. I hope that you enjoyed this first episode of the podcast, just hanging out today, getting to know us. And I hope that it's inspired you to come hang out with us again. Thanks for hanging out with me today, my friends. I hope that this has been helpful or an encouragement to you in some way. Let's connect on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me at Blessed and Beautiful Homestead. And while you're at it, head on over to my blog, blessedandbeautifulhomestead.com. If you are so inclined, it would be wonderful if you could take a moment just to leave a quick review for my podcast at Apple Podcast. I read all of your reviews and I am so grateful for them. And also, don't Don't forget, if this is one of your favorite podcasts, share it with a friend and spread the word. Until next time, stay blessed, and I look forward to seeing you on the next show.